0: Our reading this evening is taken from John 6, verses 25 to 40. In this chapter, Jesus has revealed his glory by feeding the 5,000 with five loaves and two small fishes, as well as by walking on the water to calm the disciples' fear in a storm. So we pick up the story in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get the here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up to the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Let's pray as we come to look at this uh, wonderful chapter in John's Gospel. Father, we thank you for your word. It is uh, a manna from heaven. It is uh, food to feed our souls, and we pray that you would feed us from it this evening. Amen. Now, I want you to uh, use your imaginations for a moment and imagine that St. Andrews is given a magnificent painting by a very famous artist. Let us say uh, an Andy Warhol painting, for instance. And so thrilled are we with this painting that we resist the temptation to sell it and pay off the debt on the Jubilee project and we hang it in the parish room there at the back of church. It's a wonderful painting, and people come from far and wide into the church to admire it. And this is good, because it enables us to invite them to other things that we do here, like Alpha, we have our Away Day next Saturday, do pray for that, or the Women's Breakfast, which is also coming up very soon. Quick plug for those two things. However, one night, we have one of our periodic break-ins here at St. Andrews, and the thief does not know his Andy Warhols from his Damien Hirsts or his Tracy Emmons, so he ignores... I'm impressed that I've heard of those three. I hope you are. Um, He ignores the picture, and he looks for something else to steal. I'm assuming it's a man in a slightly sexist sort of way, but it might not have been. I mean, the thief, I mean. Uh, there is, in fact, nothing much to steal here, which is why it's a rather waste of time for people to break in. So, in frustration, our thief just vandalizes the uh, priceless painting hanging in the parish room, and then he leaves, wrecking the painting. For a week or two, there is dismay. What do we do? Insurance policies are checked, and Andy himself is contacted for advice. Is he still alive? I'm not sure. When I wrote this, I wasn't quite sure to check that out. Is he still alive? Anyone know? I don't know. Anyway, he was contacted by some form. In my story, he was contacted. Bear with me. Bear with me. Time goes by. After about three weeks, Jason, our caretaker, arrives at 7.30 as usual in the morning to open up and clean the loose. And he finds a rather odd-looking person waiting at the door of the church slightly peculiar he had no distinguishing features but he said that he was Andy Warhol and that he had come to repair the picture Andy who says Jason and tells him to wait for Jules or Annette to arrive Jules gets in first she is really excited to meet Andy Warhol she'd heard of him Uh, she gets him to sign in in the book that we all have to sign in now when you come into church so she's got his autograph which is great And when he says that he's come to repair the picture, she says, no, 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 you mustn't bother yourself with that. You must have a cup of tea. Relax. Annette arrives. Jules rushes out to meet her. Andy Warhol is here. He wants to repair the painting. Sorry, no time now, says Annette. The boiler's broken down. I've got to fix that. Got to sort the boiler out. Much more important. Sass strolls in. Here she is. Here, Sass comes by and... uh, uh, (laughs) Jules <laughs> says, Andy Warhol's here. Seth says, Andy Warhol? He's a bit 60s, isn't he? And walks on. <laughs> Leslie comes in. Oh, Andy, she says, because she recognizes him being nearer to the 60s than <laughs> She's Oh, Andy, she says, I've been longing to tell you. The children hate your stuff, it's so scary. Andy Warhol is bemused. No one seems interested in him repairing the picture, which is what he's come to do. He tries jewels again. Do you think the clergy will help, he asks. Doubt it, she says. Simon is first in, keen young curate. Could you have a word with Andy Warhol, she asks. Sorry, replies Simon, music's my thing. Johnny looks in. No chance, I'm afraid, he says, paternity leave. The baby arrived on Friday, by the way. All is well. Emily. Paul arrives. Surely he can help. Love to, Paul says, but got to get down to Pusey House for a lecture, and then Wycliffe Library prepare the next sermon. No time for Andy Warhol. Sorry, Jules. Eventually, I turn up. Oh, Andrew, says Jules. Thank goodness you're here at last. There's someone to see you. Andy Warhol. Andy who, I say? John 6, verse 39, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Now, if we really had a priceless painting which got damaged, the only person I suggest who could possibly restore it to its original condition and value would be the painter himself and he would need access, he would need permission, he would need belief. The Bible teaches us that God's masterpiece is the world. John has told us here in the most famous verse in the Bible that God loved the world so much. It is his masterpiece. This planet so far as we know, unique in our galaxy and probably in the whole universe, which he has created, I suspect, over millions of years, though some might disagree with that, culminating in the creation of men and women, probably by evolution, but let's not fall out of that either, created in his own image. That is God's masterpiece. This is the beautiful thing. We are the beautiful thing that God has hung in his universe. But we have vandalized it by rebellion, selfishness, and sin. But, John has told us in chapter 3, God has not come into our world to take his masterpiece back. John reports him saying, I have not come to condemn the world. No, he has come to mend it, to fix it, to rescue it, to save it. So this is the work of God. Believe in the one that he has sent to mend his beautiful world. Let him mend our world. Let him mend you. John writes in chapter 1 of the gospel of the the word made flesh, Jesus. It says we have seen his glory. We have seen his glory. This is like Jules saying, Andy Warhol is here. We've seen him. I've seen him. Andy Warhol is actually here. The Word made flesh. We have seen his glory. Then in John's Gospel, we see how John has told the stories to show who this Word made flesh is. How this Word made flesh reveals who God is. Reveals God's glory. Reveals why he is God's glory. Look, he tells us, he's the Lamb of God. Look, there's the Lamb of God, the ultimate sacrifice for sin, fulfilling the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. Look, he says, he is the one who turns water into wine and fulfills the Old Testament prophecy that the mountains will flow with wine. Look, he is the one who fulfills the prophecy of Jeremiah and puts a new spirit into his people as they are born again. That is what he tells Nicodemus in chapter 3. You must be born again, born of the Spirit. Look, he tells the woman at the well in chapter 4. Jesus is the one who fulfills the promise of the Old Testament and opens up the possibility of relationship with God to all nations, not just to the Jewish people, but to all people. And they will no longer need a holy city like Jerusalem to worship him, can worship him anywhere in spirit and in truth. This is the one who is amongst us. Look, John tells us in chapters 4 and 5, this is the one who forgives sin, heals the sick, and gives eternal life. Even death is to be defeated. The fall is to be reversed. Look, he says in chapter 6, our chapter, this is the one who feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two small fish and bestrides the waves just as the prophets said he would. This is the one who has come to repair broken lives and restore damaged families and rebuild his masterpiece. He's revealing his glory. This is the work of God. Believe in the one that he has sent. Believe in him. Make that belief the central point of your life. That is where the process of repair begins by believing let him fix you let him mend you how much more evidence do you need John almost say to us look at uh, look at verse 30 for a moment look at verse 30 so they asked him what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you what will you do this is me this is me and Jason saying Andy who Andy who look at the picture he's a brilliant artist Andy who These people have had water into wine, miraculous healing, multiplication of food, walking on the water. How many more signs must he give them? How much more evidence do they need in order to believe in him? But you see, no amount of miracle alone will in fact ultimately produce saving faith. They will not believe, he says later, even if someone should rise from the dead. Miracle alone will not do it. No, he says, there is only one way that you will come to believe. There is only one way that you can get to the point where you are doing the work of God. There's only one way of getting there. He says in verse 27, verses 32 to 35, you must eat the bread of heaven. Do not work, verse 27, for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. Verses 32 to 35. I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. Who who believes in me will never be thirsty. What is this bread from heaven? What is this bread from heaven that we must have if we are to endure for eternal life? If we are to believe, what is this bread from heaven? I'm sure that uh, John, as he repeated, uh, as he reported Jesus' words here, as he wrote the gospel uh, later in life, that he had in the back of his mind, in the back of his mind, the institution of the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and broke it and said, this is my body given for you. He's using the language of the Passover and the miraculous provision of manna in the wilderness as the Israelites traveled from slavery in Egypt uh, to the promised land. And as you know, in John's Gospel, there's no account of the Last Supper as there is in Matthew, Mark and Luke. No, uh, inst- there is a supper in John chapter 13, but there is no institution of the Last Supper. There's just that story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. So I think John is telling us that he's aware of the centrality in the early church of the breaking of bread and drinking wine to remember Christ's death. I think that there's a, there's a hint of that here, more than a hint, in John chapter 6. But I don't believe that that is his main point. Just turn with me forward in the gospel to uh, John chapter 20 and verses 30 and 31, page ten ninety where John explains why he's writing the gospel. John chapter 20, verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So these words, John's gospel, scripture, are written that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. These words are written that we might believe and thus be doing the work of God. For the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. The book is written so that we might see his glory and believe in Jesus the great rescuer of the world. And by believing, and only by believing, are we able to do the works of God. And so many people miss that. So many people think that we can do the works of God, change the world, save the world, mend the world, without believing in the one that he has sent. But the beginning point for doing the work of God is to believe in the one that he has sent, the true rescuer of the world. No other way of repairing it can't fix it any other way other than by believing in the one who has been sent to fix it when jesus performed any miraculous signs it was at one level to do good he was compassionate he fed the hungry he healed the sick he rescued the disciples from the storm here in uh, chapter 6 but his his miracles are also lessons he is teaching people through the miracles So he takes the bread, for instance, here, at the feeding of the 5,000. He takes the bread, hands it to the disciples and says, if you take this and give it to the people, it will be multiplied. It will feed them. Do what I say, obey my word, and it will change the world. That's the lesson of the feeding of the 5,000. Do what I say, and people will be satisfied. They will be fed. The bread from heaven that sustains and feeds the world is the word of Jesus. It is the word of God. It is the great news of the kingdom. The bread from heaven is the gospel. John's gospel throughout the whole narrative mingles the miraculous works of Jesus which reveal his divine authority with his teaching which it's the disciples' responsibility to pass on generation to generation, our responsibility. That's what we're trying to do here week by week as we teach God's Word. And that is why, friends here at St. Andrew's, dear church family that we and I have come to value and treasure so much over these 14 years, that is why it is crucially important as you consider the future and what sort of vicar you will have in future, that you must appoint a leader who believes passionately that only the Word of God, proclaimed in the power of the Spirit, in the context of the local church, will change the world. That is what will change the world. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God, proclaimed in the power of the Spirit, in the context of the local church, That is how God's kingdom will come. That is the bread from heaven that will feed the world. So you're filling in your form, and you can have a a lovely, humble person with visionary skill and warm personality. Why not try something different? (laughs) And And I hope you do. I hope you do have all that. But if you do appoint someone who does not passionately believe that the Word of God alone reveals the, the, the one God who has, sent, who, has, who has sent the Savior into the world. If you don't appoint someone who really believes that, then the beautiful masterpiece, which is the people of North Oxford and beyond, will remain vandalized and unsaved. Appoint somebody who will proclaim the gospel in the power of the Spirit that this beautiful people, your beautiful friends, this great city and beyond can be rescued by the great Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has been revealed in Scripture. Let's pray. We thank you, Father, that in your great mercy you have taken all the action that is necessary to restore the masterpiece of your creation. You have sent the Lord Jesus in the world to rescue the world, not to condemn it, not to take it away, but to rescue it, to save it. Thank you that those of us here who uh, believe in you have begun that journey of being mended, of being restored, of being returned again into the people that you want us to be. Continue to work in us by your Word and your Spirit, that we might be those who attract others to your kingdom, that as we believe your Word, so your glory might be revealed. Amen.